I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. For some reason, I'm actually full of energy despite being up a couple times with kids in the middle of the night. And I kind of feel like I'm on espresso. I don't know. But we're at church. And there's something that I wanted to mention before I got into the message because it's something about how our church is working right now that's actually really cool. It's really exciting. Because most of you guys know my personal life, my family life is a little crazy right now. Um, I'm lucky. Yeah. So it's slowed down with a baby and a wife who's still on bed rest mostly and all that. And it was funny because when I was coming to this church, in the first or second interview, the search team asked me a question. And they're like, so something along the lines of how do you balance work and family life and the church? And I'm like, what, how do you handle that? Brian's grinning at me. And I said something really blunt, I think, of I've got priorities in my life. My first thing is having a good relationship with God. The next thing is taking care of my family and my responsibility to God for my family. And then comes the church. You guys are not my top priority. You're my third priority. And then after that comes like some hobbies and some friends and a few other things I love in life. But when you ask, when, I, when you sit in an interview, you know when they ask questions and you give the right answer, but then you know that in reality that may not play out to be true? When they're like, oh, do you value work-life balance? Yeah. And then you find yourself working 70 hours a week, and that's just the expectation. But it's crazy because I'm not working 70 hours a week. I'm lucky if I work 20 hours a week right now but I feel like I have more hours in my week because you guys are loving me and my family so much. You guys are showing up. I have people so aggressively offering to clean the toilet in my house <laughs> that I'm like, you don't want to do that. Like, don't. And they, they just show up anyways. And you guys are supporting my family. You're letting me prioritize my relationship with God and then supporting my family. And then... I have the privilege of having a little bit more left because of how much you guys are supporting me, that whatever I have left, I get to give to you guys. And God works with it. Some weeks it goes better than others. Last week's message, I don't know if you guys noticed it was not as well put together as normal because my family took priority and it happened. But you guys have so much grace and so much support. And I love that about our church here. That's not normal. People keep going, hey, do you feel like you're being supported by the church? I'm like, I've never seen a church support somebody, a pastor, the way that you guys have been supporting me. The only time I've heard about that is when I read the Bible. It's not when I actually see how churches work normally. And that's something that I really hope becomes part of who we are as a church. That's not just something that happens for the pastors. That's something that happens for the people on the worship team. That if you're having a rough week and you're like, I, I have to choose between playing us having music on Sunday morning versus spending the time I need to with my kids, that you would prioritize your kids. I pray it would be a church that says, hey, if, we don't have, if the people who are serving in our kids' ministry downstairs right now, if one of them is having something going on in their life where they have to choose whether to serve their kids or our kids, that we don't have Sunday school. Because I don't believe that God calls us to do more than he provides for. I believe that God provides for what he wants to do. And so if we don't have enough to serve our family and serve the church, then maybe God's saying, hey, somebody else in the church community can fill in. Or maybe it doesn't matter that the church do that this week. 
And that's really exciting. So I just want to say good job to you guys. Thank you so much. I'm so full of gratitude. But also, let's make sure this is normal. Let's be church that's normal to say we care most about our relationship with God and the, the people that he's made us responsible for, our wife, our husband, our kids, and trust that he'll provide enough for what he wants to do in our church. I just think of the song of Honey in the Rock, and it's like everywhere I go, God provides enough. When he took them into the, the people of Israel into the wilderness, he said, what I'm calling you to do, I'm going to provide enough. There's going to be manna every day, and there's going to be enough manna for the day, except the day that I want you to do something different. I want you to take a break from work and rest because your relationship with me matters more than work. And that day, the day before that, I'm going to provide double so you have enough. There's just something there. I think that there's a mindset that we need to have if we're going to be God's church, not just a human-powered organization trying to serve God. All right, all that being said, I'm going to pray and we'll jump into our message this morning. God, we're so thankful to be here. We're so thankful that we get to worship together. We get to get a little excited in our own way. Some of us get excited in worship by standing still in awe and reverence. Some of us get excited by uh, putting our hands up and dancing around. But it's awesome to get to come together as a diverse group of people with different experiences of you, but all knowing the same God, all worshiping the same God, all encouraging each other to follow you and to live out your directions in our lives and let that shape how we love the people around us. To be a community that invites other people into that. I pray that as we dig into some of what you've encouraged us to and challenged us to in Scripture, that it would change our lives, that we would have courage to do something different than we did last week in the last 10, 20, 30, 40 weeks of our life, that you would invite us into something new. In your name, amen. So in our series, One Another, where we look at some of the directions on how to be the church together, not on our own, not how to follow Jesus on our own, but how to follow Jesus with a bunch of other people because other people make it complicated. But I've said it before, and I think today is the day where it really stands out, that following Jesus together is where God does his best work. With one another is where God does his best work. He works the most in and through our church community. And so this morning we're going to be looking at teach one another, which is kind of a weird thing because normally, I don't know, like, I don't like it when somebody's teaching me. I'm like, I like maybe like my teachers to teach me, but my friends, my parents, definitely not my kids. You know, I don't, but there's something to this. There's something to this. So I want you to imagine that you got your dream car. I don't know what your dream car is, some of you, it's probably like a big, huge truck. Some of you, it might be like the ultimate minivan uh, where you just hit a button, all the seats go flat, and you hit a button, and it ejects your kids, and you hit another button, and it like straps them in. I don't know. But I want you to think for a second of your dream car. Everybody got a dream car in their head? Maybe you already owned your dream car. I knew a guy that had a 67 Camaro, and then he sold it to get a family station wagon. And he's been complaining about that for about the last 40, 50 years. But anyways, you got your dream car. It shows up in your driveway. But unfortunately, I don't know what's going on in your life, but for some reason, you need to get a pallet of cement. So you go to your favorite 
hardware store, whether you're a Home Depot or a Lowe's or a Rona or a, some better private store, I don't know. But you go to the, your local hardware, lumber supply place, and you're getting a pallet of cement. Yeah, a pallet, a stack. I do know. I worked back. I was one of those guys in the back. But imagine you pull in to the store, and there's two guys standing around in the back. And one of them looks a bit like me, like I looked five years ago, basically the same. And, you know, he, he went to college. He probably read the user manual on the forklift. He might even have his ticket to run a forklift. But, he, but it's his first day. And the other guy, the other guy has been driving forklift for 30 years. There's a couple guys here I know have that experience. There's Ray, there's Brian. There's a couple of people that have that experience. So you have your two forklift drivers. You have the guy looking like me, and then you have the guy who's been driving for 30 years. You have the guy that just read the user manual and got his license, but has never actually been on the thing. And then you have the guy that's been doing it for 30 years. And they're about to load a pallet of cement into your truck or minivan or Camaro or whatever your dream car is. Maybe you just be sitting on the roof and strapping it down. I don't know. People do crazy stuff to move, and it's bad. Who do you want to do it? The person with all the knowledge, the person that memorized the user manual, that knows all the specs, that has all the information on driving a forklift, or the person that has the wisdom of experiencing driving a forklift for 30 years? Who wants Michael to load your truck or your minivan? Anybody? No. And we run into this in life, that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference between information and wisdom. Especially nowadays, if I ever need information, I just pull out my phone and I Google it, or I watch a video on YouTube. That's how I fix my car, and they seem to run most of the time. Because I just get information from YouTube. But there's a difference between information and wisdom. And when it comes to life, Information is easy to come by, but wisdom is hard to find. And when you look at following Jesus, this really comes into play. Because there's a person by the name of Paul, and he lived right after the time of Christ on earth, and he, and he was a follower of the Jewish religion. He had all the information. He went to school for this. He was trained up in this. He had all the information about God. They had up to the point of Christ coming to earth. But despite all that information, he had a problem because he didn't recognize, he didn't have the wisdom to recognize that Christ was the person that he was prophesied. He read all the prophecies. He knew all the information about this prophesied Messiah who was going to come. But did he know? And yet somehow he lacked the wisdom to see Jesus' life and go and connect the dots and go, okay, I should follow Jesus. Jesus is a continuation of what God's been doing for thousands of years. Instead, he went, oh no, oh no, this person's trying to go against God. This Jesus thing is a corruption against God. And he went and tried to persecute and kill the followers of Jesus. He had all the information, but he didn't have the wisdom. It was a big issue. I don't know about you, but killing the wrong people is a big issue. Killing the people that are following God is a big issue, right? 
And we run into that in our own lives where we run to those decisions, we run to those situations in life where we're like, this is really straightforward. I read the Bible, I just do what it says. Sometimes it is really simple. You read the Ten Commandments, it says don't murder people, you don't murder people. It says don't lie, you don't lie. But then you run to a situation where you're like, I need to have a hard conversation with somebody and I need to tell them the truth, but I also need to love them. And how do I lovingly tell them the truth? And how do I navigate through this? And suddenly you start praying, going, God, give me the answer. Or you start going, I'm not sure whether to stay where I am and stay in my job or whether God's leading me, whether I should take this opportunity to move across the country and take a new job and uproot my family. I don't know the right decision. I need wisdom. I don't need more information. I don't need the Wikipedia article on this news town I'm looking at. I need the wisdom to know whether to do it or not. Have you ever started to look for God's wisdom? Have you ever tried to hunt God's wisdom down? Right? How do you do that? Sometimes you open up the Bible and you start looking through, and then maybe you're not finding it in your standard books of the Bible, so you start going, is the wisdom in Song of Solomon? I don't know. Maybe it is. If it comes to relationships, it might be. But you start looking through the Bible, and you're going, it's not, I can't find a passage where it says, do I stay in mission, or do I move to Alberta? I don't know. I don't know what this, but if you're struggling with that decision, you don't find that, those directions in the Bible. So then you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll pray about it. Maybe God will tell me. Maybe I'll hear his voice. And so then you pray and you say, God, show me, give me wisdom in what to do in this situation. It's too complex for me. I don't understand. God, give me wisdom. I'll do whatever you say. I'll even go to church all summer. I won't even go to the cabin this summer. I love going to the cabin. Go to the cabin. But I don't know. But you're like, I won't go to the cabin. I, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I don't know what. And you start trying to convince God, I'll do all these things just so you'll give me your wisdom so I'll hear your voice. And you don't hear it. You don't have the Paul moment. Because God's way of giving Paul wisdom was to strike him blind and then audibly speak to him and say, Paul, you got this wrong. And we we're hoping for that. We we're like, I read the Bible. I've looked for wisdom. I'm not finding it. What do I do? And that's what the answer is today. Because Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, Paul himself writes about a different way that God gives us wisdom. Paul writes to the church in Colossae. He says, Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he, God, gives to you. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. What's interesting to me is at the end of this passage, it gives a direct, there's a lot of directions in this passage. And we're going to focus on a couple of them. We're going to focus on one at the end and one at the beginning. Near the end of the passage, it says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. That's a big direction. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of Jesus. That's a hard thing to do. Because it's funny because lots of people have problems with Christianity and Christians. And sometimes... In some contexts, you may not want to even mention that you are a Christian. When you're hanging out at work or with some friends, they're like, 
oh, yeah, and they start talking about Christians, and you're like, yeah, man, Christians. And you're like, I am one. Because often Christians don't represent Christ, right? But it's pretty hard to find people who have a problem with how G- what Jesus did and said. Most people are like, even if they don't believe in God, even if they're like, Christians are terrible, the church is terrible, they're like, but Jesus was a good teacher and he taught people to do good things and he did good things. So there's obviously an issue that we want to represent Christ in everything we do and yet we don't. And that's because, I think, that we don't let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives because we don't teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives and follow that wisdom. If we want to represent Christ, then we need his wisdom to know how to actually live a life like he would live it and actually represent him in everything we do, right? When we get those tough situations, it's so rich and full that it doesn't fit into the Ten Commandments. It can be summarized by love God and love others, but there's a complexity, there's a depth of wisdom that you can't fit into a user manual that you only get through experience. You only get through living in relationship with God, letting him speak into your life, but even more so, hearing his wisdom from those around you. I'm a slightly better forklift driver than I used to be. Some of it came from learning the hard way and putting some dents in things and dropping some units. Um, But a lot of it came from hanging out with the guy who'd been driving forklift for 30 years and letting him share his wisdom with me. He's like, if you're loading a pallet of cement in a truck, the truck's not just going to get lower on the suspension, it's going to change angle. If you don't change the angle of your forks, you're going to drag it right across that guy's tailgate and he's not going to ever come back here. And church... When we're looking for God's wisdom, there's a lot of wisdom in Scripture that God gives us. And there's moments where God's like, I just need to tell you. I'm going to strike you blind and tell you directly the wisdom you need to hear right now. But so often, God wants to speak his wisdom to you through the community that he's giving you, through one another. And so that's why he says, teach one another, counsel one another. But I don't know about you, I... Sometimes I've had people in church teach me and it was not fun and not that, I don't know. Sometimes somebody teaches you something and you're like, that wasn't wisdom. And there might be some arrogance tied in and there might be some, a lot of information. It might even be good information, but it's not helpful. So I think a lot of us are scared to teach. Either we feel like we don't have anything to teach or we're afraid that if we teach what we have, it's going to come across the wrong way and it's not going to be loving and helpful. It's going to be kind of just one of those annoying teachers, right? Lectures. So if you want God to speak his wisdom through you, there's a couple guidelines I think we can look at. The first is what wisdom or knowledge comes from outside of yourself. Because it says to counsel each other with God's wisdom, not my wisdom, not your wisdom, God's wisdom. And so if the wisdom is just a good idea that came in your head, that might be a good idea, but it's probably not God. But if you go, hey, this is a good idea that I wouldn't have thought of on my own, there's an insight here that didn't seem to just come from my own brain, my own processing, that might be God giving you his wisdom. And it might not just be for you, it might be for you to share with somebody. 
So you need to have your eyes open for that. The second thing is when you're giving somebody, teaching somebody, counseling somebody with God's wisdom, if it's actually God's wisdom, it's going to stand up. And so encourage them to actually discern whether it's human wisdom or God's wisdom. Because I have lots of good ideas, and I have a lot of bad ideas. And sometimes I don't, I'm not sure whether it's God's wisdom or just me thinking. But I feel like I should probably mention it to somebody. But I can be like, God said this. And they'll let pastors get away with it, and it's bad. Or they're like, God said this to tell me you to do whatever. And it's like, no. But if it's God's wisdom, God can affirm it. So if you're teaching somebody, if you're counseling somebody, you're giving them what you hope is God's wisdom, say, hey, I think this, this might be God's wisdom for you. But pray about it. And if God affirms it, use it. If God, if you don't feel at peace with it, if God's giving you a spirit of, you're just making you not feel at peace with it, or maybe you go and you seek godly wisdom from somebody else and it contradicts it, toss it out. My bad. That probably wasn't God's wisdom. And so you need to speak with humility that God can affirm the wisdom that he gives you. And then finally, what can you do to make yourself available? Because there's a lot of wise people in the world that I love to get their wisdom from them. I think of Solomon who asked God for wisdom and God was like, I'm going to give you wisdom. And you're like, I want Solomon's wisdom. And some of it's written in the book of Proverbs, some of the other books in the Bible. But once you get out of that, you're like, God, I wish I could ask Solomon for some wisdom on what to do with my situation right now. And there's nothing in the Bible about what cell phone plan to go with, right? I wish I could ask him though. But unfortunately, Solomon's been dead for a few thousand years. He's not available. Sometimes people in this room want God's wisdom and they're going to look for it and they look in the Bible and they pray and God's saying, hey, I want to give it to you through the community around you, through one another, but there's no another around them available to share that wisdom with them. They go, I'm not going to ask the person that shakes my hand on Sunday morning and says, hey, how's it going this morning? And then moves on. I'm not going to ask them, hey, what should I do about what's going on in my marriage right now? You're not available to give them wisdom. If we don't have deep relationships with each other where we walk through life together, where you have the rapport that somebody can actually trust you and open up with you and say, hey, I need this wisdom in one of these deep areas of my life, you're unavailable. So I want you to think about, are you in a place in our church right now where there's at least three, maybe five, maybe 10 people that you're in a relationship with where you're actually available to them for wisdom in a real way, that you're making yourself present in their life, and you have that relationship that when they need wisdom, they'll actually feel comfortable coming and talking to you. Because if not, you're coming to church and you're not coming, you're not being church. You're not being the church. You're just coming to church. You're warming up a seat and God might be speaking to you and he might be speaking wisdom into you. But he said, teach and counsel one another. And all you're getting is the teaching that I'm giving. And that's, that's great. My teaching and my counsel is great. Grants is great, but that's not enough. <laughs> God wants you to get it from the whole church and give it to the whole church. So I've given you some steps. Now is here's where uh, hopefully you're ready for a little bit of a shakeup. Um, man, I feel bad sometimes because I know how I feel when I go to church. I'm like, I get to sit in my seat and then something different happens. 
but I think it's worth it because you don't get to experience something new. You don't get to experience some way that God wants to work in your life that's different than what you've always done unless you actually try stuff that's different than what you've always done, okay? So we're going to spend a few minutes doing something together where we're going to just look at a passage of Scripture, and we're going to look through it, and I'm going to lead you through a little bit of a process to let God potentially speak some wisdom to you. Then maybe he gives you some insight, or maybe he just gives you a reminder, and then you get to practice sharing that with one another. Humbly, not arrogantly, not lecturing each other, but just humbly share what God taught you because he might want to teach it to somebody else at your table. So what we're going to do is we're going to spread out. We're going to grab some chairs. Uh, if you're a strong, young person, feel free to grab a couple chairs for other people. There's tables spread around the back. And we're just going to gather around the tables at the back, and then I'll give you more directions. So feel free to go spread around the tables at the back. Find a seat at a table at the back, and then we'll move forward in a couple minutes. All right, if you found your seat yet, don't start yet. Just, just make small talk. If you hate small talk, I'm sorry, but I'm going to lead us through this once we get there. We're going to have some very clear directions for, so those who like structure are really happy. All right, it looks like we're most of the way to our tables. I love it. Some people are just making circles. That's awesome. Good. I didn't think we were going to run out of tables. That's a good problem. That's a good problem this morning. But I don't want to go too long, so I'm going to rush you guys through this a little bit. But you'll see on your table, there's a little bit of an outline of what's going on. So you're going to spend some time reading the passage, and then you're going to spend some time discussing it. And so I'll just kind of walk you through each step. So the first step is to have two or three people at your table read through the psalm, and just try to read it in different voices, different speeds, just so that maybe you can hear it in different ways. And then everybody else at your table just kind of sits and listens, and here's what might stand out in the passage that you're reading. So we're just going to start by doing that. I'm going to give you about, I don't know, three to five minutes to do that. So if you guys just want to start doing that, find out who's brave to read at your table, we'll give you a couple minutes to read through. All right. So hopefully you've had a chance to read through the passage here in different voices a couple times. And now we're going to do something that's a little bit more individual. You're going to take a couple minutes to look at the passage. I failed to get pens out on the table. My apologies. Um, so and you imagine that you're underlining and highlighting any key words or phrases that stand out. But just look through and go, is there a phrase or is there a word that stands out to me? I don't know why, but it just stands out. And so take a couple minutes to do that and then... Just pray individually with God. Just pray in your head with God and ask him if there's anything, why that's standing out to you, if there's anything he's wanting to speak through that right now. So I'll give you about three, four minutes to do that. All right, hopefully you had a chance to just read through the passage a little bit more, see if there's something that stood out to you and listen to see if God wanted to give you any particular insight into what he was making that phrase or that word stand out to you for. So now we get into the fun part for the extroverts. The fun part for the introverts has passed. Now it's the fun time for the extroverts. Uh, we get to the discuss section. And we got four questions here. And I'm going to give us 12 minutes to get through four questions. It's really short. This is like trying to say do an hour thing in 12 minutes. Let's be real. So every three minutes, 
yeah, every three minutes I'll let you know to move that it's about time to move on to the next question if you need some encouragement. But just ask these three, four questions with your group, and you get about three minutes per question. And yeah, and we'll do the next thing. Let's go. All right, I hate to wrap up a good thing. I hear some of you guys having really good conversations, but uh, some of us are probably going to want lunch at some point today, and uh, if we stay too long here, uh, there'll be some hanger later. Uh, that being said, I'm going to speak a little bit longer, so just a heads up. You might want to turn your chair slightly if you don't like getting a crook in your neck. But I realized doing it this way, jumping into this practice together of studying the Bible and sharing the wisdom that we have come out of it, it's kind of like doing it this way was kind of like doing a group swing lesson. Where, one, if you've never been swimming before, you might be a little terrified of drowning. I'm really proud of you for jumping in here and doing this. Two, it's a little, like, some people learn fast, some people learn slow, some people are comfortable, some people aren't. It's a little chaotic, and we're fitting into a really small amount of time. But I'm really proud of you guys for trying something different, doing something unusual at church that I expect challenged each of us to consider how we do community, how we live with one another, how we be the church with one another. And I hope that this inspired you because you probably heard something that you wouldn't have heard from God on your own, that you could only hear from one another this morning. And that's the gift that God wants to give us through the church, through our community. And we're not subtle that this series is about community groups. And we're wanting, to, well, there's already some community groups in this church, but we're wanting to make this church a place where there's a seat for every single one of you in a community group, where there's somebody ready to host you and to lead these types of conversations, where we pray for each other, we're friends with each other, and we talk about scripture together and we look for God's wisdom together. And so I hope you're hungry for that. If you're like, man, I want more of this, don't worry. This fall, it takes a little time to get everything organized, to get people ready to lead groups. It's a little scary leading groups sometimes. This fall, there will be an opportunity to join a group if you'd like. And I wanted to close up with a passage from the Old Testament, long before the church existed. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7 to 12 God is speaking to Solomon, the third king of Israel. And Israel was a different nation because God said, I want you to be my representative of who God is as a nation. Kind of like in Colossians, God wants each of us to individually be representatives. And so Solomon has a really big responsibility. And he's just become king. And that night, God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. And Solomon replied to God, You show great and faithful love to David my father, and now you have made me king in his place. O Lord God, please continue to keep your promise to David my father, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge to lead them properly. For who could possibly govern this great people of yours? We're part of the kingdom of God now. The church is the kingdom of God. Christ is the king, but we're each representatives of Christ. We have the responsibility to lead and to govern well, and we need God's wisdom. And God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth 
or riches or fame or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you ask for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. And as a church, God says, I want to do something here on mission. I want people who have never met Jesus before, who've lived their whole lives without Jesus in their life, to come to know and follow Jesus and love people like us. Our mission is to follow Jesus, love people, and invite others to do the same. But here's the crazy thing. If you've never been a follower of Jesus and you get invited to a church and into our community, we want you to come and join us in doing the same. And the way that you can become a mature follower of Jesus is by being in a place where you're surrounded by God's wisdom and his counsel. That you don't just have to go, oh man, only if Pastor Michael or Pastor Grant has time to talk to me and give me God's wisdom and counsel can I grow. But in every person's life, in every community, in every conversation, there's that opportunity. And I think God wants to do that here. There's so many of us who've been following Jesus for so long. He has given us so much wisdom. We're that forklift driver who's been driving forklift for 30 years, and you just know things that you forget you even know until you see somebody who's new to it, and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that was new. I didn't know that, you, that, that was something you had to learn. But I encourage you to be a person that teaches and counsels with God's wisdom and is available to anyone who needs it. I think if we do that, we can be faithful to the call that God's given us as a church. And that as he brings people into our community and he invites them to become followers of him, that we can be a part of them growing into mature followers of Jesus who love the people around them. Let's close up in prayer. God, thank you so much that every time we come together as your community, every time that we look for wisdom, you find a way to give it to us. Sometimes we just open up the Bible and you just say, hey, this, this passage is exactly what you need to hear. Other times you have a moment where you speak very clearly, directly to us. We, maybe we get struck blind, maybe we don't. But you say, you need to hear this. But so often you use the person to our right or our left or across from us or behind us. And you say, I'm going to give them the wisdom that you need to hear and they're going to share it with you. And they're going to teach you and they're going to counsel you. They can become mature followers of Jesus. That we would step into the power of being your representatives here on earth. You're the king, but we're the representatives of the king. You give us wisdom to lead and to serve. And then you are so faithful to equip us once you give us that wisdom with the resources we need to do what you have planned for this earth. We're thankful for that. We pray that we would just be consistent. They would step into this call that you've given us. Whether we feel that we're a wise person or not, then instead we look at you being a wise God that's faithful to share that with us. In your name, amen. All right, so that wraps up the formal part of the service this morning. Just a reminder, there's threats about what will happen if you forget your kids downstairs. Please pick them up quickly. Don't be me where they have to bring your kid to you. They're not happy. It burns out volunteers. It's not good. Um, and think of who you can share some of the wisdom God's giving to you with them this week. If God showed you something that you can just say, hey, this is something God's teaching me because maybe God wants to share that with them. 
All right, let's have a great week.